You're listening to The Whole Truth, a Resources Rising Stars podcast. Welcome to another great episode of The Whole Truth podcast. I'm Paul Armstrong. If you're an investor who's looking for exploration leverage, this interview with Ali Canto, Managing Director Rob Sennett, is really going to grab you. This isn't a story about a company that's going to start drilling in three or six months' time or is thinking about exploration. This is a company that has been flat out doing the hard yards behind the scenes to work up exploration targets at its Falun Copper Gold project in Sweden. It has now got a whole host of targets and the drill rig has started turning. The focus is on a three and a half kilometre long corridor where a whole host of compelling targets have been identified. This corridor stretches from the world famous Falun mine, which was a major producer of high grade mineralisation for many years. It's been subjected to no modern exploration Rob's done the hard yards and his team, they've identified these targets, they've got the drill rig turning, they're fully funded and they're in business. Rob explains why he thinks there's so much smoke and what they're doing to put the uh, lie detector into some of these targets right now. Rob, you've done a lot of work on this project. It's been a big build up to the start of the drilling campaign just underway now. After all this work, do you feel a bit like Santa Claus on Christmas Eve? Oh, I hope so. I hope so, Paul. It's um, you're you're absolutely right. It's been a uh, it's it's really been a labour of love over the, these last six months. You know, it's uh, we sort of took the time. Uh, we've put a lot of time into gra- uh, you know gravity surveys, uh, EM work, and really doing the the real backbone of the work, such that we can uh, you know have all of the right targets and uh, and give this drilling campaign the uh, the ultimate chance of uh, of success, uh, if you like. From an investor's perspective, those sorts of things are pretty boring, aren't they? But they're absolute necessity. You've you've used those uh, geophysical techniques and and the like and the soil sampling to try and uh, close in on your targets um, so that you can use your drilling most effectively. But it doesn't always excite the market, and the share price drifted off quite a bit, didn't it? Mm. While you were hard at work below the waterline. Yeah, you know, but it, but it's interesting, isn't it? You know, you've got to, ultimately, you've got a limited budget. You've got to use your dollars carefully. And, you know, ultimately, when we start this drilling program, we've just got to give ourselves the best chance of success. And, you know, we've now built up a portfolio of targets which which look fantastic. You know, we've now inve- you know uh, invested with a drilling company. You know, someone, you know, we, we went on, on, you know, quite a big tender process. We've now got a, you know, I think is a great drilling company to, you know, to work with us on all of this. And as I say, you know, just getting it all lined up, uh, getting the the most prospective targets all ready to go, um, you know, such that when we push the button, which we sort of did at the end of September, you know, we've given ourselves, you know, I hope the best chance of success and, you know, the best chance for, for shareholders to see, see some real reward for, for, for their money. Now, the share price has been going up the last couple of weeks. I mean, it's up nearly 40% since you said drilling was about to start. Um, you can see people can recognise there's an opportunity here. You have done all this relatively dry but important work behind the scenes for, for so long now and you're about to go and put the uh, the lie detector into it and the drill rig, as they say. But And the stock's gone up nearly 40% in what has been a, a pretty difficult market too, to say the least. So, you know, some great outperformance at the junior end there. But what has this work that you've done uh, delivered? What does it tell us? What should it, does it tell an investor about uh, the potential size of the prize? 
Look, you know, the the interesting thing about the Falun project is that, you know, look, for a thousand years, you know, it, it operated, it was the biggest producer in the West, copper producer in the Western world for hundreds of those years. And really that came out of one very small area, you know, a hundred by 200 by 500 metres deep, you know, 28 million tonnes at 4% copper. You know, we know that these deposits don't occur by themselves. We know they occur in clusters. You know, we have, you know, what I would say arguably the best guy in the world who has been wandering this uh, this this landscape for over 30 years, driving the drill rig and is more excited than I've ever seen him uh, before. And, um, you know, we've really got it to the point now where, you know, when we put those first drill holes in the Whitgrooven target three and a half kilometres away from Falun, had some great success there, got very excited about that, went and bought the old, you know, the permit that has the old Falun mine on it. We've now got a numerous gravity anomalies along that three and a half kilometre trend that's never had a drill hole in it. Um, and they're all teed up and they're, and they're ready to go. So as you, you, you call it the lie detector test, for me, you know, it, it really is. I've been I've been, been sort of telling this story now for uh, for about the last twelve months, and uh, you know, it's a it's a key time for us. It's uh, you know, this the we're we're all very bullish about the concept, but you know, it's, it's now time for to go and do that drilling. Um, and as I say, there's no lack of targets. You know, if you talk to Eric, the whole caldera, the whole ten kilometre strike zone that we've uh, we've got there at Falun is all highly prospective. But this area of interest that we've defined between Falun and uh, the Whitgrooven the drilling three and a half kilometres away is for us where we've, where we've focused our time, where we've pulled all of our high priority targets together. And yeah, absolutely, it's now time to, uh, to make it, hopefully make it count. So you've got a three and a half kilometre corridor of highly prospective targets that you've identified. There's smoke obviously everywhere. It's Brownfield's exploration, to say the least, right mm. next to what was a world-class high-grade mine. I mean, in terms of the uh, the, the risk-reward scenario and exploration, this is pretty good, isn't it? I mean, the stock is still only four and a half, four point seven cents. You put a drill in, you know, a hole into one of these targets, and it and it shows that it's anything like what has been mined at Falun next door over the years. I mean, the sky's the limit, isn't it? Well, well, it's interesting. Like when when you go to these conferences and and people say, you know, and there's a there's a whole lot of you know junior resource companies to look at. You know, I sort of to my mind, you know, there are a number of things you look at. You know, one's the the assets that you've got, two are the management, three's the jurisdiction. You've got to be able to do things, but four's the leverage. And uh, and for me, when you look at uh, where we are at uh, at four cents, you look at you know, you know, twenty eight million tons at four percent copper. What's that worth? You know, you know, you, and and really, yeah, you know, for us. So, what's the market cap at that price? Oh, look at, at so at five cents, I think we're about thirty million, thirty million dollars Aussie. So you're coming off a low base while drilling some very prospective targets. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's, that's the proposition, isn't it? In that's, nutshell. It's exactly right, and you know, and 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 as I say, like it's not just as I say, these things occur in clusters, and uh, you know, we have numerous uh, targets along that three and a half kilometre trend, and and even still, we're still doing more work to identify it. We, you know, this we've just done a gravity survey down to the to, to the south of Falun, and and again, we're still identifying more targets. So, 
Yeah, there is. There's certainly not going to. There's certainly not a lack of places for us to put that uh, that drill rig. And you know, with a bit of success, you know, maybe you add drill rigs to that. You know, I think it's all a question now of showing people that this is far more than just a concept. That this is uh, this is something that's real. So the rig's turning as we talk. Yes. So we uh, we we told people we'd start uh, at the end of the September quarter, which is what we did. You know, we uh, we did a big tender, and uh, and and I think have got it, got ourselves a very good contractor there. Um, you know they've they've set up. Uh, you know we've now got uh, you know, drill drill rig on site and and drilling, which is uh, which is just fantastic. You know as as I said, as I mentioned before, a lot of work went into identifying those targets. So, you know we're we're now drilling to the just to the west of Falun, where you know close to one of you know on on one of those gravity targets, but very close to you know what we uh, you know some some pretty interesting structures that uh, that came out of the due diligence we did when we bought the the old Falun mine. Rob, how many holes do you think you'll get out of this initial program? Do you have a finite set or are you really going to just cut your cloth accordingly? No, it's it's interesting. I've told the market that we'll drill a, a you know a minimum of 5,000 metres, but that minimum is really just the deal that we did with the driller, like what, making sure that he's the right guy for us and, and he's giving us, uh, you know, he's delivering on what he's promised on. But fundamentally, I, I don't see us stopping. Um, you know, the drill program will vary with every drill hole you know if we have some success in one particular area we've got the in most of those areas we have the ability to to drill numerous drill holes so, is there a seasonal issue about it does with winter coming up will that slow you no no interestingly enough there's one particular gravity there that we can only drill in winter um you know it's a it's a question of the ground being hard enough uh, the farmer doesn't want us to sort of damage the field by bringing the drill rig in so we're only allowed to drill there in winter so you know, interestingly enough, for, from a guy from Australia, you, you just assume winter is just a terrible time. But in fact, actually, it uh, it, it it just goes twenty four seven. You know, twelve months of the year. It's the same in Canada and North America, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. They, they boast about the upcoming winter drilling programs, which to us sort of suggest that why would you be drilling in winter? But of course, to, yeah. that's when the ground's frozen is most accessible. Yeah. So you're going to continue to drill this, but obviously you want to be nimble. I mean, you've got a lot of targets there. You 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 want to be able to adjust your game plan according to what you see. Mm. So yeah. so that's why, I suppose, you want to say, look, we're not going to necessarily follow a complete plan from beginning to end. We want to be able to uh, move around based on what we think mm. is coming out of the ground. Well, well, to be fair, I mean, you know, the, the, the board and I discussed, uh, you know, what the drilling program looks like. Um, but, but again, I think it's just a function of, you know what happens with that drill program if you you know at this this you know this first target we've sort of budgeted on one drill hole but if we have some success there there's there's every likelihood we uh, we we drill more than one drill hole at uh, at that particular target you know if uh, and if we don't hit expectations with other targets where we've got two drill holes we'll only we'll leave that at one drill hole so it's very flexible from that perspective and as i said we're we're fortunate in that we've got you know, more than enough targets to uh, to continue to focus in on. Now, stepping back from the drilling program itself, Rob, the, the, the prize here is obviously if you were to make a discovery, I take it there's a whole European market desperate for what you would be mining. Yeah, look, you know, Sweden's uh, and the and Europe is is very interesting. The whole macro equation around Sweden just continues to get more interesting. I mean, you look at you look at Europe; they use twenty five percent of the world's commodities and uh, and produce three. So. You know they. You know, I mean, they'll never get to self-sufficiency, but there, there's there's a lot of push in terms of uh, you know moving away from the likes of Russia and other places where uh, you know where commodities have been sourced in the past, and so there's pressure on a number of the member states to you know to lift their game in terms of what they produce. 
you know, you, you look at Sweden for itself, for example, you know, places like Norvolt, a new battery uh, battery plant starting up. You know, there's there's a greater demand for commodities within Europe. And certainly, you know, uh, you know I've always described, you know, the Swedes as, as very pragmatic people. You look at them change their their energy policy to, as, a, as a result of energy security. You look at them talking about mining uranium again after sort of banning it sort of 40 years ago because, uh, you know, that's... That's what the world's looking for in terms of renewables. So, the, yeah, certainly that macro equation around Europe has changed substantially, you know, which means that, uh, you know, when I talk to politicians in Sweden, you know, it's it's all about how can we how can we get these things sort of up and running? You know, no one's looking to cut any corners with respect of how you build a mine or, or operate, you know, safely, effectively and, and, and the like. But there is a, everybody does acknowledge that commodities are, are required in this green transition and uh, and for Europe to be more self-sufficient is uh, is certainly uh, you know a big push over there and you've seen that with the Critical Minerals Act in terms of them looking to up their production. Locally. Yeah, so Sweden's a subset here of the wider deglobalisation push, the, uh, the desire in, in, in North America and in Europe to be more self-sufficient as you say. Mm. But Sweden does have a long track record. It's very highly rated as a mining jurisdiction, isn't it? Yeah, look, absolutely. You know, it sort of sits in the uh, in the top twenty on the on the Fraser Institute, uh, and you know, and, and as I say, you know, it's uh, it's probably one of one of the top two mining economies in Europe. You know, it's had a mining history that's gone over a thousand years. You you look at where we are in the Berkschlagen region. You know, you've got some very big mines there: the you know, Belidens Garpenberg mine. You've got Zinc uh, Groven owned by Lundin. You know, you're in a part of the world that's, uh, you know, that's been mining, you know, since the Vikings. Now, you don't just have Falun, you have the Sala project too. Now, you spoke quite a lot about that, you know, over the past year or so. Obviously, Falun has come to the forefront given, you know, the quality of these targets and, and what you're now drilling. But Sala's alive and well as, a, as an exploration prospect too, isn't it? Oh, look, absolutely. You know, we've spent uh, a lot of time there. You know, we, the, we put out an announcement on the 30th May announcing sort of two new discoveries down there. You know, it, you know, it seems pretty clear to me that the, uh, the resource continues up there to the north. And, you know, the opportunity for finding repeat Sala structures, that high-grade silver. Remember, you know, Sala produced 200 million ounces at 1,244 grams a tonne on average. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it's a fantastic asset, and so uh, you know, absolutely, that m- remains at the very forefront of our mind a- a- as well. But for the current time, you know, we've got this uh, this this drilling program going at Falun, and it's uh, that's certainly something that we're going to be sort of pushing at the short term. But look, there's there's still incredible value in that uh, in that solar asset, and ultimately, we'll, ultimately, we'll be looking to realise that for our shareholders. Now you're well funded. You raised money recently, so there's not as a you know. You know, you need to go and rattle the tinges yet. You can still drill plenty of holes. Mm. So investors listening to us would sort of say, well, you've got the money, you've got the drill rig turning. Um, we're really at the witching hour. Uh, this is, you know, this is where the leverage exposure and the opportunity is. Um, you must be, are you sleeping well? Yeah, uh, yes and no. <laughs> look, it's, there's nothing like giving, putting yourself in the game. And look, we've done the hard work. Uh, and, and as you say, you know, we've now got the drillers on site and, you know, it's sort of, it, for me, it's all about proof of, proof of concept now, you know, having spent the time with Eric and understanding what he's doing there, it's it's just a really exciting story. And, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people about it now and, uh, you know, there are a lot of people out there watching uh, watching what, they, what we're doing and, you uh, you know, you, you get nervous in, in a way because it's, uh, as you say, it's proof of concept. It's, uh, 
And so nervous, but, you know, a good nervous, you now know. One of, the, one of the people watching what you're doing, of course, is uh, one Mr Steve Parsons, yeah. who, uh, for those who aren't quite familiar, Steve is the founding managing director of Bellevue Gold and a highly successful and highly regarded uh, geologist, among other things. Uh, Steve's very fond of this project, isn't he? And, he? and he knows it inside out. Yeah, and he's also put his money where his mouth is too. I mean, he's our, our third largest shareholder. But, you know, it's interesting when you talk to people like Steve. You know, Steve, when he started at Bellevue, he, you know, he, you know they, he, he didn't have anything like the maps we've got, the intercepts that we've got, the encouragement that we've got. And I think his first, you know, I don't know how many holes there were, but, you know, didn't really amount to very much. You know, whereas you look at us and, you, you know, again, the, the diagrams and things that we've been able to pull out of the due diligence we did on the Fulun mine, the success we had at our first two holes at Whitgroove. And, you know, it's it's almost, in Steve's mind, it's almost chalk and cheese in a way. And, uh, you know, often says to me, you know, if I had this, you know, when we first started at Bellevue, you know, it would have been a very different, you know, different story. And, and look at the success that Bellevue's well, become. About, so they're preparing to pour their first gold bar in the yeah. next couple of months. That's exactly right. And in, and in a very short space of time, really, from that first drill hole to, uh, to to getting to that first gold pour. So, you know, that's been a fantastic story. And and look, if Steve's right, if we sort of start further down the track than Bellevue, and uh, and in my mind, you know, there's uh, there's absolutely no reason that uh, there aren't more Fulhams existing there. And, and, as a, and Sala, you know, continues to look really interesting as well, you know, for company like this to have two assets like that with the leverage that they have it's you know it's just it's just a fantastic opportunity now you're based in sydney you come across to perth this week you're obviously out wearing the shoe leather off spreading the good news around to people what's the sort of feedback you're getting from investors as you've been belting along the terrace yeah they're all watching they're all watching and that and you know there's you know people are sort of hanging on and uh, you know they're Again, it's just it, you don't often see an opportunity like this one. I mean, you've you know two assets that were world class. You know, two assets that made Sweden a superpower back in the you know the, the late sixteen hundreds. You know that are, that we're trying to bring back to life. The story around them is uh, is, is is something is quite something. So uh, you know, and uh, you know, we've got the best guy in the world as I've, as I've mentioned. And I and I don't think I overstate it when I say that that's that's driving that drill rig that's still walking the ground that's still finding outcrops that's uh, you know still coming up with ideas in terms of how we sort of maximise what we what we do there. So um, you know, and when you when you I sort of almost look at it as a failing on my own behalf that we sort of capped at less than thirty million and we have this opportunity. I've got to wear out more shoe leather. Well, ABBA came out of Sweden singing about money, money, money. And in fact, I think they've probably made more money in Australia than just about anywhere else. Hopefully you can repeat their success as you walk out of Sweden on your next visit. You come back here with the, uh, with the evidence that uh, what you've got is the real deal. Yeah. Uh, the leverage, as we say, is absolutely enormous. It could be a huge success for investors. So uh, good luck and uh, we're going to get you back on the Whole Truth podcast over the next few months to see how things unfold. All the best, Rob, and thanks for your time. Thanks for that, and, uh, and I certainly won't be wearing those ABBA tight pants when I come back in. <laughs> I'm very glad to hear it. You've been listening to The Whole Truth, a Resources Rising Stars podcast, produced by Resource Media, hosted by Paul Armstrong for Reed Corporate. Please note that Reed Corporate does not provide investment advice and investors should seek personalised advice before making any investment decisions.